like the fact that there's like two women in the room and there's like 30 dudes and they're just waiting. I'm like, dog, y'all, the- y'all don't got any work to do. <laughs> Welcome back to the Millennial Classics, y'all. And on this show, on this podcast, we talk about the best and most memorable movies, music, and culture changing events from our generation. Mumbury, how you doing today? How we doing? How we doing? Living. Living, living. I don't know how wild my life is after seeing this movie. I feel like I feel like I'm just living a real mundane kind of life. What movie are we doing today? And tell the folks at home why it's a millennial classic. All right, so we are doing Wolf of Wall Street. Honestly, this is our good fellas. Had to pick it, you know, a little bit more sophisticated, but just as degenerate. Uh, and, I, I, uh, I would say much more so. You jerk off. I rewatched it and I was like, this is what? way, way more than I remember. Martin Scorsese, who is an American icon. He's like a top American director ever. Leo, peak of his powers. This movie's really long. I'll say that. I'm trying, <laughs> I try to come up with the, some good shit, but let me just say, this movie is really long. And this is just coming off of Oppenheimer and another long movie. This movie feels way longer. It really does. Because it, it really is the same thing. Over and 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 over again. This is much more of a mutual pick. We talk about classics. So we talk about movies that came out a while ago and we try to pick up on a trend. The reason we did Inception when we did Inception, Inception is always, will always be a certified millennial classic no matter what. But the reason we did it when we did it is because Oppenheimer came out. The reason we're doing this movie now is because Martin Scorsese and Leo are teaming up again for The Killers of New Moon. I think I'm getting that title right. The Flower Moon. The (laughs) The Killers of the Flower Moon. Thank you. That's why we have the both of us here. That's the main reason we picked this movie. But when you think about this movie, ladies and gentlemen, I just want you to know, and I'm talking, when I say ladies and gentlemen, I'm really talking about the gentleman here. I remember enjoying this movie so much more than I actually do. I, I don't, I hate when we do this, when we say this is a millennial classic and we talk a whole lot about negatives. When Burry just said it's super long, it fucking is. It's insane. <laughs> I'm telling you, I remember liking it a whole lot more. We watched it in theaters together, right? Exactly. But the thing you have to remember, you, the thing you have to know, the thing you have to understand about this movie, this movie is a fucking, it's a dream for anyone any male, any human being with a penis, like that's 15 through the age of 25, I would say. If you turn this movie on, you think, holy Holy shit, shit, this this is is a a dream dream life. life. But outside of that age group, and I am outside of that age group right now, and maybe it's, you know, it varies for different people at very different times, but it truly is a millennial classic. And Mumbury, this movie came out in December 17, 2013, the year we graduated high school. So... In the beginning of this movie, when Leo says, I'm ready to take over the world, all I care about is money and girls, and then drugs soon after, you're like, fuck, that's the life I'm trying to live, right? Like anyone that's going to college, anyone getting out of college, anyone in college, when this movie came out, if you are a male, this was your fucking dream. Forget about the fact that Margot Robbie right now is considered like the quintessential Barbie perfect figure. Her in this movie is goddess she's yeah, a goddess she's because a- this is the coming out party for her and she came out of nowhere there are levels to this shit right there's levels to everything and margot robbie actually looks perfect in this movie you have me have like anna de Armas, who's like kind of coming through but she didn't have a moment like this like she'd been slowly no. building new shit yeah right yep. there's a million reasons for this being a millennial classic but i do have like i just want to say this out front 
because I I'm just letting you know the notes that I took about this movie is is insane. It's debauchery to the ends of the. I earth. stopped taking notes. Exactly. I, I, was like, I was like three pages. It's the in same and like, thing. It's the same thing. Literally at six different places doing the same exact thing. But um, just notes up front. If you were a teenage boy up to the age of twenty five, this movie touched you, spoke to you in ways. I can't explain to the rest of the world. It is a millennial classic. It came out the year after we graduated high school. We were in that like full up testosterone, like sense mindset when this movie came out. And I can't lie to you. There Are was you low not... T now? You got low T now? <laughs> <laughs> Don't play, leave my T cat out of the goddamn podcast. But yeah, no. I'm just saying this is what this movie was made for. This was the the target audience was and it definitely spoke to me and the memory. So let me let's get into the pod. Mumbury, what did you remember about this movie before the rewatch? I remember we saw it in theaters. I remember it being long when we watched the first time, but I had such a good time watching yes. it. We had probably just turned 18, 18 or 19. So this is like the first big, really, really raunchy movie where you're just seeing it with your buddies and there's titties everywhere and there's drugs everywhere. Like, obviously, we've seen rated R movies before, but there's only a couple movies like this that come out ever. Yeah, yeah. And seeing it in theaters, having a great time, enjoying yourself. I remember that. I remember vividly looking at my phone when the ship scene, the yacht sinks. Oh, yeah. Being like, God damn, this movie is so long. The first time <laughs> I watched it. That's the second time I can't imagine. You're like, let me and, go get something to eat. And then literally, I was rewatching it this time. And I think he had already done his rise and the fall was just starting. And then I was like, yo, shit. All right. Like, exactly. I got, I, was, I had like other plans and I was like, let me just pause, see how far I do before I can make plans. And it's still an hour and a half. And I was like, holy shit. And here's the thing, because I don't mean to, like, I'm not like anti-long movies. This is essentially an American epic. That's essentially what this is. Yeah. And when you compare it to Goodfellas is another one, which Scorsese, like, really, this is like his bread and butter. There's all kinds of epics. And, like, Gladiator is like one of those sandal sword epics. But it's like, we expect those movies to be long. Yeah. You're doing like a, a huge story and it's covering essentially a giant time period and following someone. But this movie has a lot of scenes where you're like, yeah, I don't know. I could have just. <laughs> Did you need because- <laughs> that to be in the fucking movie? Talking about these like long epics. Have you watched Raging Bull? No, I haven't. I haven't. You I do have need to watch, to watch Raging Bull. I do. You, def- you definitely do. And this reminds me so much of Raging Bull. Yeah. Like this reminds me so much of Raging Bull. Raging Bull is just about this boxer who's crazy. Like he he's like obsessively in love with his wife and super protective and jealous of his wife. But at the same time, he's like this up and comer boxer and he takes over the world. And it's like it's a very, very long movie. And it's the same thing over and over and over and over. And it's like Martin Scorsese has this obsession about trying to explain the life of a man who is just like success but he takes that success to the ends of the earth and destroys himself wolf of wall street is that movie i was watching this movie being like yo because I, I think i'd seen goodfellas again i think when i first watched the movie i hadn't seen goodfellas i've seen now goodfellas like two or three times since then when i watched this movie i mean the same tricks the monologues like ever since i was a little kid i've always wanted to be a gangster of course right and then that and then that freeze frame 
And then like the camera going up to it. I mean, he uses the same exact shit to start here with the monologues. He does a little bit of extra shit here, like talking to the cameras, like was all this strictly legal. Then and that. But it's like, like the narration going through the ups and downs. I mean, Goodfellas has that f- famous scene where he's like the downfall and it's like he's snorting coke. He's like looking, he's trying to see the helicopter is looking up. And this movie, the downfall, I mean, he's a little bit paranoid, but like it's way slower and it's way more, uh, with a way more privilege involved oh. with his yeah, downfall because understatement. He, he thinks it's over like three times in America. Every time America's like one more get out of jail free guard. I mean, they kind of allude to it with uh, you kind of got this evil all by yourself. But that part's super interesting, too. Like, I feel say like that, just, wait, wait, say that again. He got the what the ego? Wait, what? No, you got this evil all by yourself. There's a scene on when he's like Kyle Chandler's on the boat with him and he's talking to the FBI agent. And the FBI agent goes, like, You know, I take down a lot of scummy ass oh, people yeah, yeah, like yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And most of them, though, they grew up that way. Their dads and their moms and their grandparents, they were all like that. And they just, that's the only way they know. You got this way all by yourself. And I was like, dude, that's like the most interesting part about how he got there, how he had that in his mind. Like, like he kind of just, they kind of just say it. But like, there's millions of people who want to work on Wall Street. Why is this dude the scummiest of the scummiest? Like, how did he get to that point? Where he shows up and he's like, I can, I can out scheme everyone. Yeah. Cause it just literally just, it's, it's a type of movie where it just starts off with him getting off a bus. Like that's it. We don't, we like, we, we know, know about nothing parents, about, yeah. The parents are like supportive of him. Like I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to shit on the parents, but like we know nothing about especially where he came from. It's a blank slate. And I, I know it's based off a memoir or it's based off a book about the main guy. Yeah. So I wonder if he was really guarded about that. Like how much say does he have about his actual childhood? Yeah, that is a good question. Um, I didn't even think about like trying to read like a review or like just a summary of the memoir, but I assumed it was very close. If this is not the truth, I don't know. But it did say that they okayed this movie a while ago, but because Jordan Belfort had like legitimate holdups on what Martin Scorsese wanted to do with the movie. The actual production and the start of making the movie was later on. I don't know if I'm stepping on making and ratings, but that is something that I did see in the- on Yeah, the it's a Scorsese movie. So the movie yeah. looks good, it's funny. Very it's a good. solid movie. Like like the worst were like nitpicking. At the end of the day, it's still a really good movie. It's a really fun movie. It's just, you know, like there's some scenes where I'm watching this shit and I'm like, yo, this movie is three and, and how long is it? Three hours exactly is what it yeah. is. It's like 259 something. And when you think about three hour movies, you think about like space epics. Exactly. And like and like Lord of the Rings type shit where, you yeah. know, there's 50 million characters. This is literally about how one many dude. hooker scenes do you need? Like, yeah. like we get it. We get it. Yeah. Right. Let's get into this. You guys know how we do. So I'm about to take you in the millennial time machine. Mumbury, this movie came out in December 17th, 2013. I'd like to talk about what we were jamming to at the time. The top three songs on the Billboard's Hot 100 were Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus, The Monster, Eminem featuring Rihanna, and Royals by Lord. The world was addicted to this mobile game, Flappy Bird. Did you ever play it? Yeah, I never played it, but I heard about it. It was yeah, one of those I mean, things where- everyone and their mother was playing it. And it was like, it was one of those games where it's like, you can't get past level three or like yeah. level four because it was so difficult. But everyone was playing it like nonstop, nonstop for a good like three, four, five months. On November 15, 2013, Sony released 
the PlayStation 4 video game console. Sony versus Microsoft versus like Sony, Xbox, that competition. Am I wrong to say that Xbox won that competition? The PlayStation 4 versus Xbox 360? No, they won the one before that. They won PS3 360. Oh, I see. PS4 was like easy Sony and then The PS5 PS5. was Sony all the way, right? Yeah. Yeah. But then Nintendo sold like 150 million Switches throughout this, so... November 30th that year, I always have to bring some real news to the situation. Um, oh, was that Osama? No, no. that was 2011. No. <laughs> a little on the opposite side. Not so much good news. Um, And this one is a close one to you, Mumbury. That's why I had to bring this one up. November 30th of 2013, actor Paul Walker does die in a car crash. Rip. Um, Yeah, that was um, RIP Paul Walker. If I had Don't, to... You better not say some bullshit. No, I'm not gonna say. I hate so- it when people go go so od with the praise after someone dies. Like, I hope you weren't gonna be like he would have been the greatest actor that ever lived. Oh my god, no, no, <laughs> if, no, no, no! I was gonna talk about passed. you, my boy. I was gonna say, <laughs> okay, if, like if I like if I were to ever have to give like a speech at like your fucking wedding or at your fucking God forbid your eulogy for you pass before I do, I have to use a minimum of three Fast and Furious quotes. Cars you have to customize. It's all between you and the car you build. It's a bond. Sounds like a marriage. Yeah, but with cars, when you trade up, they don't take half your shit. Fast and Furious is a part of Mumbury's, like, being. It's, like, it's who he is. January 12th, 2014, um, a month after this movie was released, the first episode of True Detective was aired on television. And, like... It's amazing because, like, we just did the the last movie we did, Inception, was 2010. Um, and we're on this fucking high, hot Leonardo DiCaprio run. But but there was one actor that was hotter than him at this point. One actor who had a renaissance. Wait, with renaissance. Wait, wait, let me think. In the 2000, between 2010 and 2015? Yeah. He had, he had, a, it was a comeback of some sorts. And it rhymed with his name. They put his name and renaissance at the, <laughs> Wait, no, I don't know who this is. Who is we it? We just, Matthew McConaughey. He had the McConaughey. Oh, yeah. Now, listen, we're talking about Sony, and we cannot forget that I owned two movies for the PSP. And one of those was Spider Man 2, dope movie. But the other one was Sahara with Matthew <laughs> McConaughey. Which is not a millennial classic. Time. Yeah, it's not. It's not, not a millennial classic. But I've we're seen never... it so many times. Of course, you owned it and on your PSP. Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Driving around West Africa. I mean, what, what more can you ask for? It's really it's not. It's not a bad movie. It's not, it's not a millennial not classic, but it's not a. It's not a. It's not a horrible movie. Um, but with that being said, I, I don't want to step on anyone's toes, but I did want to just point this out because you're talking about Matthew McConaughey, and sure, I think it's arguable, but I don't think I actually don't think he compares to what um, Leonardo DiCaprio's run was. For this couple of years. I just have to let you guys know something. 2012, Django Unchained. Probably like the most unexpected great performance in that movie was Leonardo DiCaprio. Fantastic. Fucking fantastic. And that same year, 2013, The Great Gatsby, January of that year. December of that year, Wolf of Wall Street. And then two years later, he takes one year off. But in 2015, he finally wins his Oscar with Revenant. Um, Also mid. Okay. Listen. That's a fucking run, Mumbury. He does. That's he a does run. Great if work in Revenant, but that movie itself, like Matthew McConaughey, has, has better movies. Like you listed a, a good run, and here's the thing: Leo has a better run than this. Early two thousands when he's doing Aviator, The Departed, Catch Me If You Can, 
That Gangs in New one. York. So those are much more fun movies. Like I would rewatch all of. Mm, I don't know because we just did well. 2010. Yeah, because 2010 is Inception. Then 2012, Django on Change. Great Gatsby, sure. Wolf of Wall Street, and then Revenant, sure. But like from 2010 to 2015, that five year run. Come on. Come on, man. Come Gangs on. Gangs of New York, catch me if you can. Aviator, The Departed, Blood Diamond. Ah, Blood Diamond. Yeah. <laughs> that accent was rough, but yeah, what a movie. Because here's the thing. Great Gatsby is not a great movie. It's not. It's a classic book. It's a great fucking book. And don't forget, a... between Inception and Django, he came out with a little stinker called J. Edgar, which might be his worst, <laughs> rated, might be his worst did... rated movie. I did I did skip that on purpose. Yeah, yeah. yeah you did. I, I, did, skip that. I, did, I did skip that on purpose. <laughs> I don't remember us doing a 2013 uh, top 10 movies of the year. Do you want to give it a shot, Mulberry? I can give you hints if you'd like. 2013. 2013. And I'm talking about total gross worldwide, not domestic. Ooh. Total gross worldwide. Because I know Gravity came out that year. Very good, Mumbari. That's number seven on the list. Did Despicable Me come out that year? Despicable Me too. Very good. Avengers came out the year before in 2012. So right after that would be... Oh, wait. Did Batman versus Superman come out that year? No, but um, one of them. One of them did come Superman. out that year. Yep. Man of Steel. Man of Steel. Yep. There's a Pixar movie that came out that year. Yes, there is. It's a and big that... Pixar movie. Like Toy... a huge one. Toy Story 3. No, no. Oh, t- Frozen. Exactly. Yep. And like the number one movie is uh, a franchise and is Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, Hung- Hunger Games. Yep. It's the Hunger Games Catching Fire. Number one, Iron Man 3 is the MCU movie that came okay. out right after. Frozen, Despicable Me 2, Skyfall. I really thought you would get Skyfall. If you look at the list, it's wild to me. Like I know that James Bond is British. It blows my mind that his domestic was so low. The domestic numbers are pretty low for Skyfall, which blows They've my mind. They've always been way lower than you think. Okay, so like worldwide, because I know like as an immigrant coming from South Africa, James Bond was huge in South Africa. So worldwide, James Bond is the shit. I think uh, America got tired of him a-, a lot sooner than the rest of the world did. Skyfall, The Hobbit, Twilight, Breaking Dawn, the second part. Hobbit too. Yep. Oh my God. Man of Steel, Gravity, and then this movie shocked me, but Monsters University. That's the top 10 of the movies that came out in 2013. Mumbari, makings and ratings, take it away. So, honestly, this is the lowest movie we've done in a long time. I think there was a lot of controversy about the the nudity. No, here's the thing. A lot of people had issues with the morality of this movie. I think it's pretty cool how it just treats the characters kind of like America treated the characters and how America treats Wall Street guys, where it doesn't really paint them in a bad light. It doesn't, you don't, it doesn't really give a shit about the victims. So all the people he steals money from, you never think about them. Never once. Never once. voices on the phone. Literally, it treats them just like essentially America treated them way yep. back in the day. Yep. And then it ends with him going to like a club med type federal prison where he's playing, <laughs> playing tennis. <laughs> Did you say club med type prison? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's amazing. And, and then at the end of the day, it's like, all right, he loses his his wife, his the duchess. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, this dude will be fine. The dude is literally in this movie. The, the actual guy is in this yeah. movie. So at the end of the day, it's like, it, it doesn't end like every other American crime epic ends with them, the guy either dying. Or like in hiding. 
or like severely yeah, diminished. Even, even the just... in hiding, even the in hiding is not really in hiding. The in hiding right. situations are like he gets caught. Like he's either dead or in jail or um, what's it called? Witness um, protection or something. Exactly. Like it's, but... it's like something extreme, but. The reality of the situation, it's a biopic. You can't lie to the folks. You know, people complain, oh, there's the message. The, the movie's trying to say a message where it's just telling the story of someone's fucked up life. And you kind of have to accept it or not. But you could have told the story where it's like like maybe two of the victims and then like you you showed some of their perspective. or Oh, yeah. Or like how, in like, like you at could least have... at the end with like in the court, you could have had one of the victims been like, you, you know, tell them their story but of how this movie's not them. interested in any of that. No. It's about how sick it is to make a ton of money, do a lot of drugs, <laughs> have a lot of hookers, and then yeah. at the end, yeah, the sacrifices you'll make is you'll you won't have a family. Yep. You'll have to snitch on all your friends. Yep. And you'll die alone. Essentially, it's almost the same ending as, as like his gangster movies. Yeah. And then you know, in the Irishman, there's a mad funny scene where it's like the FBI goes to De Niro's like old folks home. And they're still trying to get him to snitch on all his boys from like 30 years ago. And this man is like in a wheelchair. And this man is just looking at him like, get the hell away from me. He's an actual stand-up guy, technically, like morally in the movie. Whereas in this movie, DiCaprio's like, I'm a snitch to save my ass. And he'll still kind of cover some of his boys. But it's like, this guy has no code. Yeah, no, he doesn't have any code. He really doesn't. He's like ruthlessly about himself and trying to make as much money as possible. Yeah, this movie, 80% Rotten Tomatoes. That's what the whole the whole rap was getting to that. Yeah. 80% Rotten Tomatoes. So lower than all the other movies we've done so far. But this is Scorsese's biggest hit. I think I mentioned that a bit earlier. 406 million. Yeah. Scorsese is not really a big box office guy. If I was doing a comp, I would say this is Goodfellas vibe, but also Wall Street. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. I have not. Uh, Michael Douglas. Cool, cool movie. But that kind of like, he's the guy that's like, greed is good, Gordon Gecko thing. Budget, $100 million. So this was very profitable for everybody involved. Yep. Written by Terrence Winter, who wrote Sopranos. And then he's writing Tulsa King right now and Vinyl for HBO, but with Scorsese. Yeah, but Leo's the kind of guy, he only works with good directors. And when you look at his movies, I think, did they do Jay Edgar? Did they? I hope not. No. J- even Jay Edgar, it's like, yeah, it was a shitty, like the movie kind of was shit, but it was Clint Eastwood. You're right. Clint Eastwood. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Leonardo- James Cameron with Titanic. Exactly. Leonardo- he like, he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to work with the best that they have. Right. And yeah. even his, even, I'm looking at, I'm just looking at his fucking discography here. And even his Netflix movie, Don't Look Up, was Adam McKay. We were talking about this when we did Inception. It's like picking the movies is, I would like, I want to say half the battle, but like, once the world loves you, once you are a movie star, picking the right movie is like 80% of it, right? Like, even if you're shit in a decent movie, it's like, you know, we love you. I'm in my seat. I want to see it. Right Now, but it like, does help that once you get to this point where you're Leo, all these directors are like, yeah, I this part for you. Exactly. So everyone he works with, all pros. And then obviously you got Jonah Hill, which this is kind of the Jonah Hill, like reinventing himself. He done Moneyball. Which is my favorite Jonah Hill movie, we and, which I think book. is a millennial classic. Oh, I like that movie 100%. way better than I like this movie. Twenty One Jump Street, Moneyball, Superbad. So we've actually done a bunch of Jonah Hill movies. Matthew McConaughey, Interstellar, Dire Bios, Dallas Bios Club, Magic Mike, killed it. Margot Robbie. Now she is an interesting one. Like this is like a rough, but she needed Barbie. Do you think so? 
Like, all right, I'm gonna just run through a bunch of movies. Talk. Babylon. Big ass bomb. Amsterdam. Bomb. And then Barbie's gonna just broke a billion dollars as we speak today. Yeah. If there was a power ranking and top actresses, I think she's back to number one. Yeah, there's like, I think like a while ago, she was rumored to be in a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And she's then actually, like, this movie, her performance is actually really good. Like, this really? isn't those types of movies where it's like, oh, they just got someone really hot. No, she's like, actually really good she's doing an accent she's killing it and she's really fucking hot yeah and then we got john bernthal who's in everything i saw i first saw him in walking dead i think mm. he was he was shane but he's in the bear king richard t- baby driver he's in a ton of shit and he's always good but he's the punisher marvel's netflix always good and then we got kyle chandler who we know is coach right from friday night lights. friday night lights fantastic um, yeah i love him magister by the sea where he kills it I, I don't know if you've seen Manchester Believe it or not, I have yet to see that movie, which is insane. But yeah, I've yet really, to see really that movie. Really, really good. All that to say, the cast is amazing. It really is. And movie. don't don't forget, like, MCU superstar John Favreau is in the movie. Just Rob a Reiner, little bit, right? Like, I mean... Rob, you, yeah, Rob Reiner plays his dad. And, yeah. like, that's just, like, Rob Reiner's, like, clutch act, uh, actor, but also, like, low-key, huge director. Okay. Did a few good men. I think he did When Harry Met Sally. Like, he's hey. got some heavyweights behind them yeah so him. crazy cast i don't know if you want to get started with the scene i the thing would with love this movie is, is like this fucking 50 scenes i have to like cut a lot of stuff i'm can... ready for you to cut as much as you want i'll tell you the things in between the cuts that you that you want to skip but like i i 100 understand please mumbury take it away let's get into the scenes tell us um your favorite scenes and then we'll go from there so all right so just to get started classic scorsese free frame montage i take enough drugs he's like talking to the camera and narration good start i think it really sets the tone early very good start like when you say set the tone you mean set the tone yeah like the narration is it's it's a lot and like he sets it up so beautifully because he's telling you exactly what this movie is going to be i own a mansion private jet six cars three horses two vacation homes and a 170 foot yacht and it works way better than just like starting with him getting off the bus yeah you know, like they would have started exactly like in a exactly and it just starts with him getting off the bus and you learn it the whole math i mean i wish i could just have like matthew mcconaughey list like, like in all of his scenes but he really is just one scene number it's right? one like, scene and then like i think at the end like he's one scene and then in the office essentially wait isn't um, it isn't he in the office first and in then the office they go then the scene lunch? and then back when it's like the worst day ever his first day of oh i see yeah yeah, yeah, they, yeah they quit but um but before before we talk about matthew mcconaughey because i do want to talk about matthew mcconaughey uh that that that, that intro scene fantastic just like when he's going down the list of like drugs that he likes the how he uses it and stuff and he tells like my number one obsession the thing i'm most addicted to is this the hundred dollar bills like when i say that they what a piece of statement yeah exactly what a fucking fantastic statement and even prior to that um one of the quotes that i have from that scene the year i turned 26 i made 49 million dollars which really pissed me off because that was one shy of a million a week i yeah. mean like this is this is the kind of person we're talking about this is this is the intro to the movie, ladies and gentlemen. And he's he's mad because he didn't make a million a week. I mm-hmm. mean, great fucking start. But yes, Matthew McConaughey, go ahead. And then like you contrast that to how just the position between how that and then like how fresh he is coming off. Yeah. And he's like, I am a worthless piece of scum or whatever to the first dude. <laughs> and then Matthew McConaughey, like you can see how big of an impact Matthew McConaughey had on his entire life view and worldview. Because he's like, he's this dude's fresh, but just give it some time. Because he's like, you got to do drugs drink you gotta do all this shit and then he's like you got how many times do you jerk off you gotta get those numbers up 
<laughs> and then like he copies almost everything about this dude. And then he even takes the like the the beating shit. It's all Fugazi, it's Fugazi. I mean Fugazi. he literally explains the entire movie how bullshit this all is from the very beginning. And you can I kind of say, like, how did he get that way? But Matthew McConaughey might be the answer to that because yeah, Matthew so, McConaughey really drills it into him. But like I said, he must tell that to everyone. Of, well, he, I don't know if he I don't know if he does tell that to everyone, but like maybe he does because obviously if the people underneath him is doing well, he gets a percentage off of his like brokers or callers or whatever the fuck they call each other. But uh, it, it did seem as though he picked up on him. Matthew McConaughey shapes the way he sees Wall Street because literally Jordan Belfort or at least Leonardo DiCaprio's depiction of Jordan Belfort in this in the in the beginning prior to Black Monday when he gets there he's the one telling Matthew McConaughey doesn't it make more sense if they make money and I make money Matt McConaughey's like no no it does no it does not and yeah, we don't care about any of that exactly and listen you guys it, it, it is it's like martin scorsese he, he's not trying to hide anything he's not trying to be sneaky with anything he says it outright in front of the fucking world to see right in the beginning of the movie matthew yeah. mcconaughey legitimately says yeah he's rich his numbers are up on paper but what you're gonna do is you're never gonna let him sell you're gonna come up with a new idea a great new idea and you're gonna have him invest his earnings in something else, a better idea that you just came up with, plus some, because you come away with the fucking commission, right? That's the only thing that matters. Your wife at home and how how much money you get to take home. Talk to clients. Your only responsibility is to put meat on the table. It doesn't matter if the money goes up or down or left or right. It's all a fugazi fugazi. All you care about is the commission. It's insane. It's insane. And then on top of that, He's doing cocaine at the fucking table. Mm -hmm. So that's something he picks up and right then away. And he does the iconic drum beat. Fantastic. And then exactly. does that shit. Um, um, just everything amazing. And then great scene, great scene. Yeah. My next one is the penny stock. Uh -huh. That company goes down, but then like this though, I guess. So I guess he calls him at the, at the seminar towards the end of the movie. You kind of, he kind of says the world's greatest salesman. That's how they yeah. show it. This is how like, have you, have you ever done this type of job or have ever had to call anything? This yes. shit sucks. And this is like the difference between him and everyone else is like, he does not care. And he will cold call and lie to a random person and tell that person like, yeah, I don't like it's your last dollar, but you have to put it in because I am going to, I am going to take you to the promised land. And his, this scene really just reinforces how good of a salesman he is. Yeah. And like, it kind of, you kind of see in the first two scenes, like this guy's drive and his, uh, his, his ambition, his, his excitement. Yeah. Like he's like, he's really excited to be on wall street. He, this is the kind of like everything in his life was leading up to this. And then you, this is the scene where you see him like, holy shit, this guy's on a different level and not just like skill wise. Cause yes, skill wise, he's a great salesman, but he has no morals. So that puts him on a different level compared to everybody. Else. Yeah. yeah. But, and it's just also just a great scene. Like can you really see is. people slowly start turning around and listen to this dude. And this dude's like, I got a great little stock for you. Like two guys working on this crazy little thing, Aerotine with military, and commercial applications and you're like holy that's, shit this that's dude the is shit so... that got me when he said that i'm like maybe yeah. i should have been <laughs> yeah, <Jesus Christ. laughs> um Fantastic. yeah so 
Great. Then we have uh, the Jonah Hill intro. You know, you show me a pay stub for 72000 I quit my job right now and I work for you. He's really like hamming, him up, hamming, hamming it up. Um, the whole cousin fucking scene is hilarious. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. This is where like, there's a ton of places in this movie where you're like, that was so unnecessary. Did we need to see them go in the back of the fucking bar and smell crack? Was that necessary? Yeah, I don't know. Right? Like, I, I don't mean, know. I, yeah, I think, I, see, the thing is, in the beginning, I can, I can, I can forgive all this shit because it is still establishing everyone and their relationships and their characters. My whole thing is at the end when we already know these guys are complete scumbags and everything. Why are we Do I need over? to have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, like, so we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, so you're right. It, it it is a little bit fun. It is a little bit fun in the beginning because it's exciting and it's new. Uh, about the whole Jonah Hull, jo- Jonah Hill uh, scene. When you are watching this for the very first time especially if you're watching it in 2013 when you came out this is jonah hill in a very different life like i like even re-watching it i was like holy shit jonah hill really stepped outside of his box when you said yeah. this was him trying to break that mold that he was like he was it's a hundred percent true in this right. in this scene you see it right away and he goes and he and- like and it took worked. a pay cut to, to get in this movie and work with Scorsese. He so, did the right thing. The next scene, actually, you you mentioned it earlier because you were like, there's a scene where they just talk about midgets for 10 minutes. Yeah. Well, this is the next scene where they talk about Jordan's dad, the business expenses, $26,000 worth of sides. They do a whole TNA um, bit with he says TNA and he says TNA. And, <laughs> and then he's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. And you get to see like, like it's just a really well-written scene. And Rob Reiner is good in it. And Jonah Hill's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um. I just, I just, you know, I just. Some of the best parts of the movie are just those, those. It's guys. like really quick, like just like the quick whips. Um. But remember, you did skip a lot from the beginning here. Um. I did want to pull you back some. I, I like every movie that we do where there is some form of team up. You love the actual teaming up of the team. Did 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 the scene when they were in the garage where he was introducing Staten Oakmont? Did was did that not speak to you at all? Oh, you know what? I I think I almost wrote it down and I forgot. But that scene in the diner where he does a sell my pencil. Yeah. And you kind of get to introduce everyone. And Brad's initial, I, I thought, damn, I thought I wrote that down. But Brad's intro, where he's like, hey, yo, yeah, yo, tell your sister, like, to look out for next time. And all that shit. And this dude's just working out in this fucking backyard, yeah. uh, hitting on high schoolers. It's insane. Um, so he's yeah, selling drugs to high school is telling telling them to have their sister call him. It's insane. And it's not really a team up because he's just getting employees and they're all idiots. Like he says it very plainly. And and it, they do come back to bite him. Like the thing with this is it's kind of cool because everything is set up. And you can actually see why he explains everything. Because at the end of the movie, he all he does is like this dude's an idiot. This yeah. dude's getting me fucking caught. This dude's an idiot. Yeah. How can the, the Benihana and the, and the restaurant and the but it's like he hired he's, them all. Yeah. And he's the guy that was like, I'm hiring these guys because they were willing to do everything I asked for them. And they have no scruples about not doing shit. And it's like, well, yeah, if you're going to do that and you're going to hire incompetent people who are willing to do anything, that's going to come back and bite you. Even Donnie. In a big way. In a very even Donnie and all these guys because they they all like one on one hand they are all extremely loyal which is the benefit but the because if they were just like random ass dudes he hired off LinkedIn it would have been just like they probably I can't do this. I'm not doing yeah he's yeah. like I'm not doing this exactly but, this is my life on the other hand it's like 
they're just not competent people. Yeah. And uh, it really came to bite him in the end. But in, in that scene, it's fun. Saw the pencil. And so no, just... so I'm not even like, and I agree with you, that scene is fun. Uh, I, I, but I'm not even talking about that because there's two levels to this, Mumbury. There's number one, seeing that he is a good salesman. But also, I know you spoke to the fact that he's building the team of people who don't give a shit about the legality of anything that's going on. Sure. So he gets like the dumpster fuck boys that he knows. Right, and then they go to the warehouse and they start the company. But that's that's the scene because it's one thing to be a great salesman, but it's another thing to be so good that you can... All you have to do is say the words on the paper that I give you and you will be successful. Yeah. Like that's being a good leader. Yeah. And You're leading right. folk to be as conniving and, and it, greedy as you. So and, that scene yeah. is the one I was talking about. And that would be the, the scene in the movie where it's like the gangsters are like picking people up. And they, you know, like before Scarface? Yeah. Like when they're actually making money. But right before you see like the bags of money going to the bank and there's like 50 bags. Like right before that, this was that scene. Exactly. Where you kind of see exactly. the rise. And exactly. it's, it's a, it is a good scene. I wouldn't say there's anything like fun about it, but it is interesting. It's engrossed. And then he's like Stratton Oakmont and he does that shit with like the Mayflower. Our roots are with the Mayflower <laughs> and they engrave this shit on the bones of Wall Street yeah. right there when they landed and all yeah. that shit. And it's like, on it's cool. Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock. The only thing that I think is actually fun, and it was more fun when I watched it the first time, was when he was actually on that phone, on the phone, on the phone call, going through and the, the script yeah going through the script that he went yeah. um that he wrote it was really fun to see because it is that same scene when he was in the penny stocks company but at a little bit of a higher level because now he's not just talking about this is how much we how much commission we can make it's like this is the process and we're, we're gonna fuck the people who actually have money so instead of making two hundred dollars from a four hundred dollar um, purchase we're gonna make four thousand dollars from an eight thousand dollar purchase right. from these big weeks i really do like that because it explains a lot like you watch a movie like the big short where they explain how the world is getting burned to the ground this movie it's like how much because if you're not a broker you don't know if any of this right like you don't know how much of it is legal versus not illegal so when he's explaining this is how we're gonna fuck these people it's nice to know so then at least you're um Understand. Nowadays, you don't even need a broker. That's what's crazy about it. So, like, there's a, there's a, there's a, there is a kind of detachment from this movie with now, where it's like you look back and it's like I can literally open a brokerage account in two minutes and then just trade all the stocks myself. And a lot of these places are zero commission. So it's like at the end of the day, you're like, it's yeah, like, this dude this got. Hundreds of millions of dollars stolen from like average, average day folk for doing something we absolutely don't need at all. And again, ladies and gentlemen, bringing you back to Matthew McConaughey taking care of shit from the get. He literally tells um, Leo, Jordan Belford in the beginning of the movie, we don't create it. Yeah. We keep the Ferris wheel open 24-7, 365. It never closes ever, ever, ever. And the, the other thing is uh, just the phone call. Someone answering a phone call and it's like a cold call and then you're going to send them four grand. <laughs> Is just like so on Pluto now. Like yeah. First off, now it's just like cold calls don't even come through to your phone. Exactly. Like so, th- just the idea that someone you would pick up your phone, someone be like, "I'm a broker with Stratton Oakmont," and then you wouldn't just hang up or like, "How'd you get this number?" It's just it completely really is hard. Bullshit. But this is the ni- this is the movie the came 80s, out in 2013, which was already 90s, hard to yeah. believe. But it was when this was coming out. It was in the 1980s. It's like the late 1980s. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, but yeah, then I have the pool party. So this the oh, rise yeah. has already happened. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then yep. now Margot Robbie's walking and mm-hmm. they do a good job. And then the, what's crazy is like, it's like this is how you know he's the main character because he walks in and they're trying to, they're talking about the plan and are trying to IPO and all that shit. And this is when they also explain what Quaaludes are. It's a great mini scene in that scene. And then uh, Margot Robbie shows up and he literally just like hits on her plainly, like in front of the dude. And he has this huge house in the water in front of his wife. And and the wife's also, I was so confused with the wife's, that wife's um, friend, Jonah Hill's um, wife wife because she's like cousin wife because she's like so of much of a friend of of what's her face but then like they divorce and they just get uh margot robbie and then they're just friends with her and she's like at the best woman the best (laughs) what what are you gonna do monbury yeah i guess what are you gonna do if if you're married to oprah and she's fucking around like you're gonna say word whoever your next best friend is i'm over here hanging out yeah i guess i guess (laughs) but then there's a big Donnie's like jerking off to Margot Robbie being like, yo, she's so hot. Um, Watching that now is the most insane thing in the fucking world. Like 90% of this movie, right? Like I think like 100% of this movie, like everything that happens in this office, these guys would be in jail in 2008. Past like I think 2015, 16, like when Me Too hit, hit. Did, like the entire time when I was watching this movie, I'm like, do you think that this actually happened, or is this Martin Scorsese just living his best life with? His I think kid? all this shit can happen now. It's just like no one, you wouldn't be doing it like on the elevator at work. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or like 100%. just fucking in like your bathroom at work. But <laughs> like there are definitely people that's just fucking in like office 100%. and all this shit. But like I just think it's like yeah now you're not gonna like, have strippers come to the office. No. But I think in the 80s that probably did happen, remember? Yeah. Like yeah, I really do think it actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um no, fa- fantastic scene. Um, just the description of the Quaaludes. You know, they in all of these movies that they like they even do it in the um not super bad, they do it in 21 Jump Street of that weird drug where all the phases through when you take the drug. It's really cool when they do that, and then you end up seeing it later. It, it, it's a great callback, it's a great way to do it. Um, but the description of the Quaaludes was fantastic. He, like they even make a note of it to be like, Yeah, the it was so bad, it was so like overused that they stop producing it period so you can't get any but uh the flirting in front of the margot robbie's husband is insane you're right yeah it it really is the most blatant disrespect like you can ever see it's it really is wild it's like you see these these guys as egos in throughout this movie and it's like unstoppable they doing illegal shit they're getting paid hand over fist like fist over hand for the illegal shit that they're doing. No one's getting caught. He gets a Forbes magazine written um, article written about him. He thinks it's bad. The world thinks it's amazing. Because of this bad Forbes article, he has hundreds of um, college students ready to do whatever the fuck he wants just to get paid. You can really see why he makes the decisions he makes because every decision he makes that is considered bad or illegal or not right takes him further faster, quicker, and it's like, of course this is going to happen. Of course the downfall is, uh, like, the downfall has to be as hard as it as it was, if you even consider that a downfall. It has to be that because every other thing that he has done that is illegal up to the, like, the point where he gets to the peak is illegal or wrong, and he wins for it. And he wins for it every time. So it's just another experience of that. And yeah, you're right. This is when he's like, fuck my wife. I'm going to be with Margot Robbie. Um, This is just like a, like a, this next couple scenes are just whirlwinds of him. Like first day with Margot Robbie. Um, They're going out. 
like the the like this is the scene where you they go up to Margot Robbie's place and she's like she this is like where like you literally like America's like your jaw jaws just drop. Um, it's pretty funny the inner dialogue of like yo say something slick to get out to her place and he's just like yo tea tea I'll take some tea like hot tea like hot tea yeah and then he's like killing himself trying to get the fucking fire started and you just throwing candles and this shit honestly all of that shit's fucking hilarious and then he came in like 13 seconds but then like from that getting caught that um proposing like all that shit is just like a whirlwind and this is still like we're still on the rise which is insane and, and it's still a fun time and then the bachelor oh. party oh. which uh, that's the one where i'm like that shit is like did it really happen like, like oh, that's okay. the one where it might be exaggerated like yeah, nothing on a, a private plane with a hundred other employees 50 prostitutes was it 100 or 50 50 prostitutes yeah uh, for the plane ride and 50 waiting at the hotel room rented an entire hotel. I, I believe you could do all that in day but like on the plane all that shit 50 employees like that just seems like honestly 80s is crazy because like now with phones all you need is like one right like pissed off employee to have a phone and then all that shit gets leaked. And then you're just like, you're just like fired. The thing is, the thing, the only reason I believe it actually happened is because if you are like buying out the entire flight, the only people who are going to care are going to be the people who are working, which are the stewardesses. And like the stewardesses, like, you know, he gets wrapped up into the fucking um, seatbelt when he's flying to Switzerland when he didn't buy the entire flight. He's just a, 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 another yeah. passenger. And so we, the reason I think that this one bachelor party works is because he bought the in, entire flight. When he's talking about the prostitutes and he's like, you got your, your blue chip, your NASDAQ. And, and then, then the street, the, the street the, hookers the, or the whatever. Pink or whatever. And I'm just yeah. like, yo. Pink like the fact that there's like two women in the room and there's like 30 dudes and they're just waiting. I'm like. Dog, y'all, y'all don't got any work to do. <laughs> of course not, bro. They, it's just insanity. Fucking it's, insane. It's, it's People insane. just fucking standing around. And the, here's the thing: everyone there probably makes a million dollars. It's like you're like you're making a million dollars. You're just waiting around. Yeah. You're just like hanging out, watching um, someone else. Um, before we move on from these scenes, a couple of things. Number one, the 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 scene where he actually goes up and he sees Margot Robbie fully nude in this movie is actually amazing. But then, like, the whirlwind, the debauchery from that, like, it does seem so unreal because it feels like the real-life version of Hangover, but, like, real. Like, he said he had to pay $2 million for that weekend. For everything that happened, he bought the entire floor for in one of the hotels in Las Vegas. If you told that to um, an 18-year-old, a 21-year-old dude, like, you can do this in your future if you make this much money. How excited, like... I just remember myself thinking, this must be the greatest fucking life in the history of the world. And then you talk about what you just talked about. When you get older, you're like, that's fucking insane. You're worth a million dollars and you're waiting to have sex with someone who's a, a pink slip prostitute. And, and they say multiple. Yeah, you have to get a shot of penicillin. I mean, it's it, it's what the what is going on? What is I'm going just saying, on? it doesn't even seem like a good time. But Mulberry, my question to you is: Were you thinking that the first time you watch it, or right now, are you saying it doesn't seem like a good time? Because the first time I'm watching it, I'm like, holy shit! I think that's it's insane. one of those things where, swear, if you were in that room, you'd be like, what? Are we, even at 18, you'd be like, what are we doing here? Exactly. Yeah, of course, at the time, but seeing it on the screen for 15 seconds, yeah. But if you're standing in line for 15 minutes. <laughs> Not. The bachelor party, the wedding, which is has the iconic dance of Leo and the tux. Like, Leo can he, fucking move, my move. Bro. Yeah, he's holy shit. I need a, I need a movie where Leo's dancing. The thing with this movie is like there's so it's so long and it's like the, the rise and fall. Like they have to introduce the aunt here so that they can do the aunt later. 
Mm-hmm. And then like you also wonder like did the aunt need to be and then the aunt is at the in a boat because she dies. If you wonder if they cut the whole aunt aunt arc so there's no aunt then they, they don't use the aunt to ferry and they just use the family and the, the wedding the, scene the, is shorter there's no actual talking to the art aunt scene when he flies out to switzerland to london, and right to, to london but and then, then there's no boat scene yeah what do you need the no boat scene for that's I mean, like that's like 25 minutes out of the movie right there alone yeah but mumbury if the boat actually did crash into the sea you need that scene in the movie do you though you do you do mumbury you like who who else is wild enough to take their yacht out into the fucking chop? Oh, that's that's, that's okay. you, We can handle a little chop, baby. Baby, we can handle a little chop. <laughs> what do you know about chop? I'll chop your fucking credit card. <laughs> we can handle some chop. Honestly. One of my favorite lines of the movie. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite lines of the movie. Um, um, go ahead. Yeah. So the wedding happens next. Scene. Wedding happened. Great scene. And then right after that is this um, Steve Madden IPO. Um, that's what right part of this right, thing is. Yeah. Right before you start talking about the Steve Madden IPO, because it is a fantastic scene, um, like like the hedonism of the type of guy Jordan Belfort is, right? He's like having sex. He says in the beginning of the movie with um hookers and prostitutes and strippers, um, like five to eight times a week or whatever the number he says, right? He bags the the most beautiful woman on the planet, the uh, the fucking Duchess of Bay uh, Bay Ridge. You know, he buys her a yacht. It's the most fantastic wedding ever. But the next scene, the scene after the wedding, is him yelling at his wife because he's cheating on his wife the night before he gets home. So like yeah. they re- like you have to you have to put those things together. You can't live that lifestyle. Bag the woman you think is going to be the person for you for for your forever life, and then and just automatically think your urges and needs and wants, especially when you're doing enough drugs for all of fucking queens. But also, I'm also like, what did she? You bagged it, dog. The dude yeah. was hitting on you in front of his wife. Like at the end of the movie, she does kind of hint at that. She's like, you married me. You know what was going on. I'm not gonna be with you when you're in jail. Are you a fucking crazy? Yeah, but um, I did want to mention like the scene after the wedding. There's no fucking break. The scene after the wedding is we're fighting, yelling, cussing at. I'd rather have a. a Tenth of the money and and just like just when not I wake that. up, yeah, be peaceful. Yeah. Oh my god, You're getting water splashed on your face the morning of, yeah, it's insane. It's insane. And then he does his like morning ritual. But uh, the IPO, Steve Madden. Yeah, this is this speech. It's between this speech and then he's like, oh, "I'm not fucking leaving." That speech, but this speech, you really get to see like how he riles up his employees, and he's like, "They either buys or he fucking dies." That's exactly. And then. But honestly, my favorite, favorite speech, and this is where you're like, thank God Leo's in this movie, because Leo really kills this shit. But when he's like, your mother hates you, your family hates you, you pick up the phone and you start calling. Your wife is ugly and you want a new car. You pick up the phone and you start calling. You have no job. Then You pick up the phone and you start calling. And like, he just keeps going. Yeah. And like, it just fantastic. kills the speech. It kills fantastic. the speech. That is the part of the speech that makes you get so excited, right? Yeah. You see that part of the speech and it's like, I want to pick up the phone for this dude who I know is a fucking asshole yeah. because but, yeah. it's so good. It's so good. He's like, yeah, I want you to deal with your problems with um by becoming rich. I've been a poor man. I've been a rich man and I'll choose rich every single fucking time. It's, it's a beautiful speech and i just want to talk about the dude steve madden right if you are steve madden right you come to this fucking place yeah i was gonna say this too <laughs> you 
come to this place. He tells you to get up on stage. People are throwing shit at you. And all, okay, tell me what you thought about it. The beginning part, I'm not too worried about because he probably knows like these guys are killers. He's he's probably thinking, wow, these are Wall Street guys. They're all crazy and all this shit in the beginning. But at the end of the speech, when he's like, I don't care. We're going to pick up the phone. We're going to start calling. You're going to shove this shit down their throats. We're going to fucking make sure all they fucking think about is buying Steve Madden and all this shit. I'd be like, yo, all right. Some of this shit doesn't seem legal now. And I'm just sitting in the room. In the beginning, when he was just like, oh, you know, this dude's a genius. Dah, 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 dah. And then right, he's trying to calm down the crowd and all this stuff. Then I'm like, all right, cool. Like that stuff, I feel like people would fall for. When he says buy or die, it's like Jesus. (laughs) Right? There's two things about that. Number one, I kind of agree with you, but I really don't. Because if you're seeing this as a third person, like as an objective watcher, like we are, the audience, you're like, yeah, this is probably not the team you want to run your stuff. You think Merrill Lynch is any better? Merrill Lynch is doing this. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But 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 that's my point, Mumbury. My point is as the creative. If you are the creative, you honestly believe, because when he got up there, he's over here talking about, this is the actual Madonna shoe. And people are like, what the fuck are you talking? We don't care yeah, about get your the fucking fuck shoe. Yeah. He's like, we don't give a shit about your shoe. But if you are the creative, what you care about, your passion, if you believe in the thing that you created, then you hear someone else say that this is the shit. And the line that gets me if I was a creative, if I brought my product, if I brought, if I wanted to IPO, whatever the terminology is, to Jordan Belfort, the line that made me convinced that Steve Madden was about the Jordan Belfort investment stride and Oakmont situation, he's like, Steve Madden isn't the kind of guy who just notices the trends and capitalizes. He's the kind of man who creates the trend. After hearing that, the rest of the speech, I'm like, do you, you that is the goal for any creative if you yeah. are a creative that's the fucking goal you want to decide you want to change shape the culture and if you hear this man saying this man changes shapes the culture and we're gonna make sure that every fucking person buys their stock i'm like yes, yes! i would say yes if i was steve madden like bar none my favorite scene the other speech is fantastic as well but no doubt in my mind Favorite, favorite, favorites. The lemon quaaludes. Oh. Explanation of that. This at uh, this point, there's a fog of FBI's on SEC and all this shit. Phones are getting uh, tapped. Phones are getting tapped, and he's panicking. And then Donnie fucks up the thing. This this part is so infuriating. But also the other dude who's meeting Donnie. You just got to walk away. Got to get in your car. When Donnie's acting like an asshole, Brad, like I all feel so bad for him. At the same time, it's like, dog, you know this, you know this dude better than everyone else. This dude's a complete asshole. It doesn't take anything seriously. (laughs) But Don, no, don't, don't, don't put, I hate you for this, right? This is what I call victim blaming. Don't (laughs) blame Brad, right? But Brad knows Donnie's a piece of shit. Fucking such a fucking asshole. Mumbury, Donnie is such an asshole. It's insane. It's insane. I wouldn't have been friends with him at this point anyway. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, he's he absolutely useless. Yeah, no, he probably should have walked. You can't be li- letting this dude start talking to you like this. And, and he needs you. Yeah, exactly. And then exactly. I do when they're sitting down, he's like, yeah, I'm going to call you and you're going to go there and pick up my money. <laughs> if someone ever talked to you like that, bad face when you did this shit. <laughs> That was one of the real say, say that shit again. He's like, Yeah, I'm just gonna give you a call and you're gonna come by and pick up my money. Yeah, it's fantastic. That's minutes after he tells his wife, uh, you have my money <laughs> wrapped around your tits. Technically, you work for me. I don't fucking work for you, man. Shh, shh, shh. Sweetheart, you have my money taped to your tits. 
Okay, technically you do work for me. I love it. I love it. Dottie's the biggest asshole. The the lemon quaaludes, the cerebral palsy scene, the inner monologue, the narration, crawling to the Lambo with the drool. Leo's really going for it. The drive back, Donnie's on the phone, Donnie's dying. You can do the sense where it's like Leo's just like, you're sure let this dude die. Margot Robbie's like, he's a father. He's a father too. And then he's like, fucking Tate does the coke. There's a Popeye scene in the back. Honestly, this is the scene where in the, in the theater, everyone's dying, yeah. laughing. And that's the thing about the scene. That's exactly what I was going to say. The first time watching the scene, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was on point. I thought, like, everyone's going for it. This is fucking fantastic. Of course this is happening. These dudes are fucking ridiculous. But on the rewatch, I found the scene really hard to watch. If you were if you ever the sober driver in your crew and you're hanging out and your boys are drunk and they're, um, or the people you're with are drunk and, like, they're acting, and I think they do that really well. Of like, like the first time through the scene, it's like he's like, "I'm driving so slow. I'm so careful. I was driving one mile an hour." The next morning, you found out that he obviously that's not what the fuck happened. But like you, uh, the person who's drunk is thinking that they're being efficient and quick and smart and witty. But if you're sober, watching it is so fucking hard. And I felt that way the entire time the scene was happening. And again, Mabury, I know I just said it's a great thing that they talked about the sequence of what you go through when you are on Quaaludes and it's a great callback. But at this point of the movie, I was so sick and tired of the drugs and the debauchery. I'm like, the downfall is happening. Let me see what happens with the cop. I, like, it just felt so extendedly long that I actually, this is one of my least favorite scenes on the rewatch. Remembering what the scene was when I watched it for the first time was funny, was hilarious, was a good time. On the rewatch, I was like, all right, I'm going to go to the bathroom. This is just fucking ridiculous. Why am it's I It's just one of those things where I just, you're watching it and you're like, yo, you, I don't want to victim blame everyone else, but like Margot Robbie's just there with their kids and he, this dude's fucking about to take 20 year old quaaludes. And you're just yeah. like, like at some point you like, you have money. Yeah, exactly. Like, you could just be exactly. like, yo. And then like, I don't know. It's like, yo. It's, they're fucking it's, the kids fucking terrified because the dad's going crazy off coke and quaaludes constantly and, it's a yeah. daily thing it's a yeah. daily thing he crashed his fucking helicopter in the backyard and it's fell like, into the fucking come on, pool like, some of this is just too crazy he, he doesn't even like he gets arrested but then doesn't they couldn't even prove it's him because i'm guessing he has a great lawyer and then he no, gets no 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 the reason he couldn't prove it is because you were per blaming the person that could have fucked leo from the get was brad no no, no, no i'm talking about in the, the car car oh oh yeah, yeah i'm sorry they yeah, couldn't yeah. prove it was him but that's yeah. like some shit like a, a slick lawyer does because i'm telling you right now if a regular person gets fucking like the like their car fucks up the whole street and parks at home like fucked up and their car's fucked up they're just gonna arrest you they're 100%. not gonna like fuck, like even the like the the plane scene where he's fucked up and he has to get tied up and he's arrested and he gets out because it's switzerland and he knows the people and it, he doesn't have the epiphany until literally the ship is going down on the yacht it's insane um, it's insane but that that I just want to sp speak about that flight over to Switzerland. It's like that would get even like the richest, most famous person today arrested. Yeah. Yeah. But this like is pre-9-11 now. Exactly. This is in the 1990s. Sure. Maybe that's something you can get away with. He was super drunk on drugs, whatever. But like you get arrested for doing that shit right now. It's just it's and that's why you're saying like some of these things. It truly is hard to believe. Like, hard to believe. I'm not fucking leaving. Yep. The SEC coming down. And at that point, it's like, I mean, you it, like, this is the part where it's like every movie has this with the downfall, where yeah. it's like a clean exit. Like, the bank robbery movies do this all the time. It's like, you can leave now, leave the money, 
but you get away scot-free. And in this case, he didn't even have to leave the money. He just pays a small fine. But and he has to just leave his, his work. Yeah. And that's it. And then the dad is like, yo, this shit, you, this is like the best deal. You're good. But no. No, no, no. no. I'm not yeah. fucking leaving. Iconic speech. He just, just chest thumps. And this is when you're like, oh, this dude's a cult leader. Exactly. Like everyone's ch- thumping their chest or saying, I love you. He does that speech with the woman. The woman's like, oh, uh, yeah. Like, I mean, to be fair, he, that did seem good. That did seem like he's a It's good. literally the only nice thing. Like, it, it literally is one of the only nice things he does in the entire fucking movie. Yeah. Right? But they only talk about it. They don't show it happen, which is a, a great thing that they do because fuck, yeah. he doesn't deserve the credit. And then I just after this, I had the yacht team with the we can handle the chop because that's honestly one of the best fucking scenes. It's best and then lines. it's like honestly after this, it's just on the rewatch. I know what happens. Thanks. Yeah. It. Yeah. And it's and it's everyone does the wrong thing. Margot Robbie's still hanging around for some reason, uh, which that's the part that's like honestly the most unrealistic. It's like yo, come on. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It takes him so long to get arrested. Um, but that's also the reality of working on Wall Street. Sure, like sure, yeah. Because they have so much money, they can buy the most wealthiest, best lawyers on the planet, which will extend these court sentences for months and years and all of that stuff. But at the same time, it's not just the fucking money that's buying you the great uh, lawyers. The culture, the, the 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 system that we live under, says that these people are are white collar crime, right? Like yeah. they call it a different level, different kind of crime. You get sent to a different jail, a different prison, because they consider they don't consider it the same thing as with the rest of the criminals on the uh, in the world. You were robber, you rob uh, I don't know ten thousand dollars from a bank. You know you're going into like federal Guantanamo Bay prison, but you steal hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, um, it, when he does the penny stock shit, he literally says, he literally says, I've been, I was selling garbage stocks to garbage people, right? And it's like- And he doesn't mean bad people. He means literally garbage men. <laughs> exactly. He's like, the, your money is better in my pocket. I spend yeah, it better. Yeah, I spend it better. It's like- Iconic you know, line. It is an iconic line, but- like it's the, the culture, the American culture, the capitalist culture. It's like, it sucks. It sucks, but it's the reality. It's the reality yeah. of the situation. Yeah. So the, he doesn't even get what he deserves. Yeah. At the end of the day, he can't, the thing is like some of this shit is like, this dude must've been an idiot because like some of the shit he does is smart, but like, how do you like not rip up and shred the note that you did to tip off Donnie? No, like no, how does was, the FBI find that? This is something I had in my end of the movie note because you see Donnie is the one that ends up covering the note that he sees from from Leo, do you think it's Donnie the one that slid the note away and gave it to the cops to tell I them? I would have eaten that note, not gonna lie. I would have just exactly. eaten it. I would have just put it in my Ex- mouth. It's exactly. like, what are we doing here? I'd have yeah. ripped it up and eaten it or some shit or flushed it down the toilet. Like You can't like, let that be. Yeah. And it's weird because it's like in the beginning, it's like he's saving Donnie um, but then he, the the scene after he gets caught with the yellow note, it's like, I gave everybody up. Every yeah, I think he had to. Because I yeah. think, yeah. At that point, there was nothing. I think they just gave up on the wire. But yeah, like movies, the movie is good. Good, solid movie. It is iconic. And there's so much quotables in Margot Robbie, honestly. For just the introduction of Margot Robbie alone into, into like what, our culture or our... Uh, yeah. Like, like just being just into in like general, acting in just... her intro into Hollywood. But I, I said this a million times and I'm going to say it again. If you haven't seen Wolf of Wall Street, 
your first time watching it is fucking exciting as fuck. Especially if you are the target audience. It's not even a roller coaster ride. It's just like a fucking adrenaline shot into the veins of like, how crazy can this person's life be? It's like when you watch the movie Blow or Scarface, it's like crazy, 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 crazy. And it just keeps going, keeps going, keeps going until it comes down. But the thing that this movie does not well, you got to make the downfall if the, the ride up is going to be as long as it is or as exciting as it is. Make the downfall quicker and shorter and like yeah. more to the point instead Would, of who, stretching that shit out. Yeah. Who's your MVP? It's really hard. It's really, really hard because, I mean, I think acting, <laughs> if you're talking about the actual movie, um, it has to be Leo. Like those two speeches alone, like I think there's like, five or six quotes from this movie that like yeah. it's all I think Leo. It's Leo too. Yeah. Because Jonah Hill, yes, he has the one-liners. It's him being very different. Margot Robbie is the sexiest thing I've ever seen like on screen. And it it's it's like undeniable. It's undeniable, but it's a movie. And Leo is doing what Leo does best. And this movie is him. It's it's him. It's him the yeah. entire fucking time. He's narrating it in every scene. Like he's yeah. just killing. Yeah, I think he's MVP. I don't even think there's an LVP. There's no maybe one. the French, maybe the Swiss banger. No, French it's, dude. it's, no, no. I thought he's been in this movie so long. And it's like yeah. they do the bit of like, he can't understand what he's saying. And he, it's like, dog, get a banker that speaks English. There's not one banker in that bank that speaks English. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Like when he's on the phone and he doesn't understand, I understand. But there is that scene where he actually goes to Switzerland. He's sitting in the chair and they don't say anything, but they understand what the fuck they yeah, say. Yeah, and they're doing the both narration and the I narration like, I, I thought that was fun. I thought that was yeah. really, really fun. I really, really liked it because no one is living that life that is in, like, no one is funneling money in Switzerland that we know. But yeah. everyone in their life has been in a situation where you're looking at someone and they know what you're thinking, but you're not saying. It's, it's yeah. a beautiful they do it really well. They do it really well. But like, if I had to pick an LVP, it would probably be um, the like that scene with the gay dude at the at the house having the party. Oh yeah, like, I'm like, what the fuck what is going why on? Why is this necessary? Like, that's a scene that could be completely cut. It come. Mumbury, not completely. Why did we even have to know anything about that? Yeah. And he literally says the second that scene ends, it's like, who cares about the hundred thousand dollars? Yes, it means nothing. And the what? only thing what? was like, yo, Donnie might be a little gay. That's the only thing we realized because he's going yeah. to the gay clubs and dancing. He's, going to, and he's yeah. like, what are we talking about? I don't know that place. I just like dancing a little bit. I don't like dancing. Um, but yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, so. I, I, I told you all the quotables that I thought that were in this movie. Is there anything that, uh, any quotes from this movie that you... No, no, we pretty no. much got it. I think that's it. Um, yeah, anything else, Mumbury? Because... No, no, no remakes or anything like that for me because it's like this is such a biopic. Yeah. If anything, if they had to do it again, I'm trying to think of who who they would cast now. Yeah, that's the only and thing I, was thinking, I wanted like, to maybe ask. Maybe Miles Teller. Do you think Miles Teller can handle this much pressure? Remember, it's a look. Let's like, again. We're talking about how bad the, the fact that it was so long. But for a three-hour movie, who else can carry a three-hour movie about doing the same thing a hundred different ways in five different places? Like, like who is the actor that can do that right now? I think if there's a British version, Tom Hardy. Oh, yeah. I think Tom Hardy. Oh, my God. If there's like a British version of this guy. Oh, my Tom God. Hardy. Yeah. If, if It would be really dope. It would be really dope because we all know that Prince Harry had the drug problem. Like if 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 they let Tom Hardy do Prince Harry, yeah. just like let loose, just fucking go at it. That would be fantastic. That would be fan fucking task. Um, I, I think that's a great pick. I think that that really is a great pick. But there has to be like 
because I was thinking like um um what's his name um I. <laughs> Fuck, I don't know the actor's name, but you know for a fact that like those Saudi princes live that crazy life. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know that they live that crazy life. And I'm just thinking, like, who would be a really good, like a Middle Eastern like you don't even have to do a Middle Eastern. You just give me the guy that hangs out with those guys. The guys that those guys <laughs> ask, like the guy, because the Saudi guys aren't getting drugs and shit. Give me the guy that those no, Saudi guys just use. Just around get... those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Mumbari, any final thoughts? Um, no, this is just, I'll probably, if I had to rate this, this would probably get a four out of five, four stars out of five. It's not my favorite Scorsese. It's not my favorite Leo. It's not my favorite anybody, but it's such a good movie. It's so solid. Um, it's a fun time. It's just a little bit long, so you don't really watch it all the time, but every once in a while, it's a good. It's a good time. Um, ladies and gentlemen, like this. This movie, like when I say it spoke to a generation of boys and told them this is like the crazy debauchery that like you could look forward to if you were to make this kind of money. It is just a fact of the matter. The excitement of this man going to Wall Street, the life, the life that he saw that Matthew McConaughey was living and wanted to live. Like you, you can either tell yourself that, you know, human beings are better people or watch the reality of the hedonism and the debauchery that that especially in this movie that men want to live in that time of their life. Right. And he is like the extreme version of that. And Martin Scorsese was shining a light on the fucking crazy. There's a few like um, podcasts and reviews and like conversations and movie interviews with both Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio after making this movie on the rounds when they were doing the interview, um, the, like the, the, the PR for the movie. And they said it was the point. We've talked a million times about this movie, about how long it is and how crazy it is. And Martin Scorsese is like, that's the fucking point. I want you to be frustrated with the insanity and the frequency in which these guys are doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, because these people don't learn their lesson until you smack them in the face. Right. Yeah. So it, like, yes, we are saying that it is bad, but Martin Scorsese was doing this on purpose. This is not a mistake. It's fucking Scorsese. It's not a mistake. It was the point of the movie. And when you are watching it from this vantage point, it is a very, it, it's all the judgment in the world. And like, you want to point the finger and say, you're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. You should have done that. And it's easy to do that. But the question is, you don't have that fucking money. You don't live that fucking life, right? He, Jordan Belfort didn't make the fucking rules. He broke a few of the rules that were set. He broke a ton of rules. Okay. He broke a ton of rules, maybe all the rules. He's not the one that set the game. He's like, I came here to play the game. I'll fucking, you roll the dice. And a he could have gotten away with it too. Clearly. Exactly. He could have gotten away with it. And what happened to him is not even that bad, ladies and gentlemen. It's not even that bad. And that's what Martin Scorsese is trying to do. The end of the movie isn't him in jail, rotting away, feeling bad about himself. The end of the movie is like, if you remember the final scene of the movie, it's the camera on regular folk looking at Jordan Belford introduced as the greatest salesman of all time. And they are waiting to hear what he has to yep. say, knowing for a fact that he was just in jail for stealing hundreds of millions of dollars from people just like that. That is the point of the movie. Yes. It's long. It's the same thing over and over again. There's some debauchery. It's saying this. It's like, it's, all of these things, all of the problems everyone has with this movie, it's all there, but it was done on purpose. All that to say, this movie is a millennial classic certified on the first time. If you've not seen Wolf of Wall Street, sit down, grab yourself a beer, a glass of wine, enjoy the debauchery. Soak it in. That first watch is a fantastic fucking watch to see a, a, a crazy life. But on the rewatchability, 
it's not all there, but it still counts because it's a good time and there's some fantastic scenes. And Leo does the speeches that you would want to see a Wolf of Wall Street do. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Wolf of Wall Street. That's why it's a millennial classic. And we'll catch you next week. Deuces. Deuces.